Uh, all right. You got time. Recording that is up. starting. Time that is. Yeah. When are we going, King? Uh, twenty. Have a big yawn. Uh, there we go. I love that for you. It's International Jazz Day. Uh, that's about the notes you don't play. Oh. <laughs> Great. Um, uh, let's uh go. Welcome to Mortified, The Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations, all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm the reason this podcast didn't have an episode last week. And this week, we trek through the original walking simulator with Gone Home. Before we wander around our stupidly big house, remember you can help us on Mortified, The Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for a monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. Layla. Aaron. Are video games art? I think so. Do you think so? I mean, I think the actual answer to this is it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but this was, you know, this is a joke about how, you know, in, in the early 2010s, uh, I think there was specifically Roger Ebert, um, you know, who your famous film critic was talking about how like, video games will never be art because of, you know, he hadn't played that many video games, <laughs> I guess. Um, and this this set off a, a firestorm online. Uh, and then he recently passed. And then, you know, several people after... Not you know, that recently. I mean, he, he passed recently to when Gone Home came out. Okay, uh, fair enough. And people were like, you know, maybe this would have changed his mind. There's there's a video essay that I watched to prepare for this episode that we'll, you know, link in the show notes about that. But, um, you know, this is... Uh, Gone Home is such an important, like, piece of recent games history, and I'm really excited that we're talking about it because I had never played it before. I only kind of knew that it was just, like, the first walking simulator, quote-unquote. But, um, yeah, what what is your history with Gone Home? Uh, same as you. I, I'd never played it. I'd heard of it. Um, I didn't really understand its place in, like, games history. So it came out, what, 2011? 2013. Right? 13. Okay, so... Interestingly enough, like in high school, I went through kind of a video game drought. Um, I didn't really play all that much, which is funny because like I feel like growing up, all I did was play video games. Um, I fell into, well, that's incorrect. I fell into an MMO hole. Ah, that's the issue. (laughs) Yes. So I played a lot of Fliff, played a lot of Mabinagi, played a lot of spin-offs of those types of games. We did not have the critically acclaimed MMORPG Final Fantasy XIV. Um, I wish no. I could recite that fucking copy pasta off the top of my head that you all always tell me, but I can't. No um, no Warcraft for you? I was not a Warcraft girl, no. Hmm. Uh, or I, I didn't play any of the big ones. I didn't play RuneScape, Maple I was going to say, I, was gonna say I, I don't know what the... I've never heard of any of these games. <laughs> They're just little anime guys. But anyway, so I didn't really get back into, um, like, console gaming or, or PC gaming until about, like, 2013 or 14. Um, and I didn't really know indie games were, like, a thing. I was under the impression AAA was kind of the only thing that was out there. Because I, I, like, wasn't really into the, in the, like, news circuits and the places I ran online didn't talk about indie games yet. Uh, so I miss this, like, completely. <laughs> it's, it's very, like, for me in retrospect. Because yeah. the first indie game I played was, like, Bastion. Right, right. Um, and Bastion, Bastion came out, what, 2011, I want to say? Yeah, right? so it was already so, out for a little, for a little bit when I played it. Right, so here's the thing, you know, I think v- we are, like, tw- the, the early 2010s are when indie games start really hitting their stride and becoming like competitors to triple a games in a way that like had never happened before um and like gone home is a huge part of that right you know gone home starts winning all these awards picking up all these accolades from you know games sites um and you know eventually becomes a part of the notorious gamergate quote-unquote scandal um where people who are chuds online were like oh because this game has queer people in it and has about walking and listening to diary entries that doesn't make it a real game and games journalists are bad and it's like you know all all that gamergate shit we don't have to get into but like the the main thing is that like gone home is really you know 
as the more I read about it to, to prepare for this episode, the more I realized like how integral that is like as far as like not only you know forefronting like our current era where like indie games are are really important and, and like are always pushing bigger games to try newer things. Um, but also, you know, as far as like games coverage, right? Like it, it was at the the forefront of um, you know a lot of interesting games coverage and people like trying to broaden that conversation about you know as as you know I think you know I, I think there is a question to be asked about whether or not games are art, but I also think like you know what is art is, is a question you can kind of ask as well. But like you know, it is making people consider video games as a medium, not more you know more than just like well you shoot people. Um, and, and we'll talk about that, but yeah, I mean, do you want to, here's the thing. The plot is like pretty straightforward. And since this game's, you know, narrative is all delivered via like journal entries that are voiced over, you know, how do we want to do the plot summary? Do you think? I mean, we can go through kind of a quick, um, there's like a couple of major beats, right? We can just go through that. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I have I have a list of the journal entries up um, on on my computer, and I can just kind of talk through my playthrough and the ways in which I kind of um, my experience. So, you know, it, the game starts out. Uh, you are Katie Greenbrier. You're I want to say twenty years old. The year is nineteen ninety five. It is June seventh uh, at like one in the morning. Right, you've been on this uh, European trip all across the, the the continent of Europe. You know, you've been gone for a year. Um, and you're coming home right now uh, to to see your family who you haven't really hung out with uh, since you left for Europe. This was the '90s. You could you could I guess college students had money to do that. I have no idea what the '90s economy was like, but apparently this was a thing. Um, and you know she she returns home and, and finds that her house is deserted. Her family's not there. You know all the lights are off. It's very, it's an, it's one in the morning. Um, and she has to, you know, kind of piece together with the context clues and notes that are around her house what what happened, you know, where her where her sister is, where her family is. Um, and the, she, you, you come home, you know, you get this. There's this letter, like this this note, um, and the front of the the door. And basically, it's like, hey, you know, Katie, um, you know, I'm sorry that I wasn't here for you. It, it's from her little sister Sam, who is like 17 or 18 at this point. Um, and she's like, you know, uh, I'm sorry about all the things that have happened, you know, I'll, um, but, but, you know, don't tell mom and dad, whatever you find. Um, and you know, it already starts off with like this kind of ominous tone, right? You, you move the Christmas duck away, you find the secret, um, key and you, you enter through into the front of the house and then you kind of like, you turn the front, the front light on the light kind of flickers and you are left in like your dark house and you have to like wander around each room and look at notes and look at objects and kind of piece together what's what you've missed over the year. Um, and like, I, I, I like it. I like it a lot. I, I think I'll say is the first thing. Like I I am pretty pretty high on walking simulators. Um, I like these sort of games that are very like story story forward. Um, and I um, you know I, I think this execution is very good. This is like you know of course this is one of the first biggest executions of this kind of um, of gameplay style. But basically you start you know in your big house you realize that some of the areas are locked um, and you kind of start walking through. And you start finding these notes from from your sister Sam. Uh, you know, it starts with you know them her talking about you know she's moving into a new house. Um, you know, things are weird. Um, she's at a new high school. Like she doesn't have any friends. It's very hard for her. Um, and also, the house that they live in is known as the Psycho House, which is um, you know we we don't love that language, right? But like you know the idea that you your house is haunted, right? That is that is a first thing, and that's kind of something I want to talk about, Layla. Is like. D- do you think this is a horror game in some ways? No. No. I mean, it's like spooky, right? But right. I don't. I don't think it's. Um, it it feels more like this mystery thriller, maybe you know. But I wouldn't call it horror. I think uh, so too. But I I think right. I think thriller is the right way to go because like there are definitely moments where the game wants you to feel like something is watching you or like something weird is going on. Um, and especially the ways in which it kind of hints towards something bad happening to Sam. I, I do think it kind of wants to, to put you on edge, which, you know, I, I don't love that implementation necessarily, but like, I think it is like trying to compel the, the player through. Yeah. Um, 
Um, I did also, I think some of the, um, so you find, aside from Sam's, like, diary entries, you can find, like, all sorts of notes and stuff from her at school. The, one of the ones that hit me the hardest was, um, just in terms of, like, a little ouchie, uh, was this kid, this, like, random nameless kid wrote her a note that was, like, hey, like, you're the new girl that lives on, like, the house, right? Um, like, I just wanted to know, like, if you wanted to hang out or something, and, she was like, sure, like, why? He's like, oh, I just thought, like, you looked lonely. Um, is it okay if I ask you a question? And Sam said yes. And he goes, was it just your uncle that was psycho, or does it run in the family? I was like, oh, ouchie. You didn't see that one? No. Yeah, it was an ouchie, zowie. Holy shit. Someone, someone wanted to be your... And it was, like, torn in half, too. Like, it's, like, piece of... Ugh. Ugh. Brutal. Yeah, like it very quickly sets up that Sam is having a bad time in high school. Um, like it really, it seems very hard, and that's kind of why you you understand why she forms such a bond with Lonnie. Um, and the first instance that tipped me off, I was like, oh, this is a game about gay people. Was um, the third journal entry, Big Gold Scar Star, which is um, you know she's talking about the first time she sees Lonnie, who is her love interest. Um, and then she starts with like, you know that feeling where the first moment you see someone, it's like they have a big gold star around them, and you just have to get to know them. Um, and it's like. No, <laughs> no, Sam, I don't know that feeling. That's, that's not a normal thing. You know, that's a thing you do when you're when you're in love with someone. Uh, and it's very funny to like kind of see Sam like working her complicated, you know, repressed um, gay feelings through through these notes and journal entries. Um, and her big gay pirate story. Oh, yeah. Like, so Sam is also, you know, very creatively oriented. Um, her dad's a writer. And she has like, she, you know, is, is going to go to like a, a college for a writing scholarship. Um, and like, you see these drafts of the same like kind of pirate story throughout this, the game. And it's like Captain Allegra and her first mate. And at first it starts off with like the first mate being Daniel, which is the um, the neighborhood, like, like next door neighbor kid who is just like her default best friend as they grew up but like slowly the story changes over time and at some point um the 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 you know, first mate is always getting captured and captain allegra has to go save them um and at some point the <laughs> the first mate gets captured by the amazon queen uh who drops the first mate in a vat of you know some sort of magic liquid and they come up from a girl um and then he's like ha 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 what are you gonna do now and captain allegra says step away from that girl she's the love of my life and it's like yeah normal normal <laughs> normal gay stuff you ever uh you ever get dipped into a vat of amazonian magic water and get your gender trans <laughs> uh normal normal stuff um it's it's really good and like you know right I, i'm a cisette person um you know layla you can ex- speak to whether or not this this story you know it had any sort of queer you know resonance with you i mean it was just a couple of lines of a girl working through her you know her mm-hmm. repressed queer you know I, I wouldn't say like particularly resonated i did think it was cute though <laughs> right and i think that's an important part of it um you know to to kind of go through like the story you as you, you like go through sam's room you go through your parents room um you know there, there's like a couple there's three main stories i think that you kind of work through there's sam's story where she falls in love with lonnie this is the main story you know, Lonnie is this girl who is part of JRTC, but gets her into the like riot punk um, genre of music, which is um, about a riot girl. Maybe um, is the, is the genre of music, but it's a genre of music with about like feminism and a lot of girls yelling. And I frankly didn't like the actual riot girl music in the game. I thought it was very bad. Um, you know, no offense to the the actual performers who who were in the show. Not I did for me. find myself. I did find myself like bopping along to it a couple of times. Sure. There's something about it that like really took me back to listening to stuff like that in high school, like early Paramore. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, you you kind of get her. You know, Sam, Sam and Lonnie f- basically fall in love. You know, at at these shows. Um, you know, Lonnie kind of confesses her feelings for Sam and Sam finally is like, Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm into you. I'm into you too. They start, you know, dating, but it's secret because this game takes place in 1995. Um, and you know, there's this conflict, right? Lonnie is going to join the military, going to join the army and, and go to basic and leave in, in June. Um, and Sam is going to go off to school and then, you know, they don't know if they can be together. And, you know, as the story, Oh, go ahead. Do you think we have international listeners? 
No, why? Like outside the U.S. <laughs> Absolutely not. Why? <laughs> why do you uh, ask? Should we should we explain what JROTC is? Oh yeah. Um. So in the United States, you know how we're a fascist country and nobody likes <laughs> to talk about it. Um. In our country, at least, I bet all you international people know that we're fascists. Um. There is a thing called the Reserve Officer Training Corps. Um, which is a thing that they do in college and even in, and in high school. It's called Junior Reserve Officer Training Corps, but it's a thing that they just kind of like train you to be in the military. So when you're old enough, you can you can enlist immediately, um, or if you are you know if you're if you're a good officer, you can go take some extra classes um, and become you know a military person, and um, you can do that. Um, you know, there, I had a lot of problems being in, in private school. I think the weird private school that I went to affected me in some ways that were bad. But mm-hmm. I am very grateful they didn't have an ROTC program because I would have joined it uh, when I was 14. And that would have I don't like that version of Aaron. I don't think he would have been a good guy. Uh, yeah, my <laughs> university had an ROTC program. Uh, one of my residents when I was an RA um, was in that. And mm-hmm. there, it always rubbed me the wrong way. I never liked it. Listen, it's weird. It's weird that we have a military institution that's like just at public schools. It seems bad. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, the you know you get recruiters coming with their cookies or whatever. Right. Um. Yeah. So Lonnie's in JROTC, uh, and uh, so sometimes she she moonlights as a as a goth, but. Uh, Sometimes she wears a military uniform. That was a very fun descriptor we got of her. Yeah, and Sam's like, hey, this is a wild, wild discrepancy between Lonnie, which is like, you you do this, like, you know, feminist, like, you know, anarchist punk band, and then you're also part of joining the military. And she's like, yeah, why? Why does that? And, you know, you can learn about her, like, her dad's in the military, and she has a bad relationship with her mom, et cetera, et cetera. Um, eventually, that story resolves with... You know, Lottie finally on their last day, you know, goes to to ship out to basic. Sam, you know, is very sad. Uh, But eventually you actually it's the first um, voicemails you hear in the game. You hear Lonnie calling Sam and being like, Sam, Sam. And you realize that uh, Lonnie has asked Sam to come pick her up because she's got off the bus. She's not going to basic. And they run away together um, because their parents don't approve of them. Um, and, you know, Sam's like, hey, I'll see you again one day, uh, Katie, you know, the player, but, like, I gotta go hang out with my high school girlfriend now. <laughs> um, and, like, you know, I think that is the main story. Like, there's the other story, which is, like, your mom is having a tough time with your dad, and she's into this new ranger, Rick, who it's works for ranger, her. ranger, ranger Rick. Yeah, no, he's very sexy. Um, he has good taste in music, apparently. They went to an Earth, Wind, and Fire concert together. Um, but ultimately, you know, uh, you know, her, her mom, her mom is like a senior conservationist, which is very cool. Um, this case, this game takes place in, I want to say Oregon. Oregon. Yes. Okay. Um, and then conversely, the dad, um, is like a writer, but like he, like he had a couple books, but like nobody really bought them. And then like, he just started reviewing home entertainment systems (laughs) as a freelancer, but like he kept making his essays too long and personal, uh, and they're like going to fire him from that job. But then eventually he find out he, his, his books are going to get reprinted by a smaller publisher. So happy ending for him. Uh, the dad and mom went to a marriage counseling retreat to work out their problems. Happy ending for them. Happy ending ah! for for Sam and Lonnie, presumably. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see if that marriage counseling retreat works. Because yeah, there were some sad fucking artifacts in that house. Yes, it's about very their marriage. It's tough. It's tough. Like there's a calendar where it's like you see that ballroom dancing has been crossed out every single week, and it's just like, oh, that sucks. That makes me so sad. That um, one, the fucking uh, after the honeymoon book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the fucking uh, God. There was a third thing. There's just a bunch of just depressing little artifacts. Right. Um, you, you, you keep getting these letters that Jan wrote writes to her college roommate. Um, or Carol. Carol yeah. writes them to Jan. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and seeing like, like the other half. I like Carol's stationery. No, she's she's very good. Um, Cute stationery. Fun fact, all of the handwriting that is done by moms in this game was done by moms in real life. That's what the developers were like, you know, ethics and mom journalism. Uh, I... <laughs> 
Love that. Very funny. Um, there's a dev commentary track if, if you all are interested in that. But, you know, those are the three main stories. And, you know, I think that the way that you go about uncovering them, which is, you know, rooting around your house, you kind of finding out the secrets of your family, which is like, you know, it is a little bit intrusive and weird, but also like that's kind of the, the point of the game. Um, but I really, I really liked it. But like, you know, overall, I was like, this story is completely fine. There is nothing especially novel about it. There's nothing especially, you know, profound about it. You know, I think it's pretty good. I think it completely hits what it's going for, you know, and I'm happy that it exists. But I was like, I can't believe this is the thing that shook the games industry 10 years ago. Um, and like, you really just have to to think about what the games industry was like uh, 10 years ago. And we'll talk about that. But yeah, I mean, do you want to do you have any like things that you want to bring up from, from your playthrough, things that you found interesting or fun? I think it's, I I want to speak to what you just said, just because, like, I feel like I approach a lot of media in kind of a reverse order so often. Like, it's pr- partially because I missed some things when I was growing up, because I wasn't really attached to the zeitgeist um, for a while. I was learning English and <laughs> also how to be an American when I was a child. Fun. Um, so not necessarily paying attention to, like, pop culture. Um and on top of that, like, I I also quite like a walking simulator, and I love these, like, story-based, exploratory, like, meditative games. So having played a handful of them, like, the one the one I kept comparing this to was Unpacking. Okay. Um, did yeah. you ever get to play that? No, I didn't. I never played that. I have it in my Steam library. If you're interested, you can borrow it. Uh, it's quite short, uh, and it's the same thing. You're, like, unpacking a life, right? You're... It's it's a, a life in apartments, and there's this particularly cute, um, or not cute. There's this particularly interesting little moment where your character moves in with her first boyfriend, and you're trying to like unpack into his apartment, but it's actually kind of hard because he doesn't make any room for you. Mm. So you're like kind of squishing yourself in and like moving his stuff around to make room for your stuff. And it's very, like, it puts you on edge. It's, like, very frustrating. You're like, I don't like this relationship. This sucks, actually. Right, right. And then, like, eventually the game ends with you moving in with a with a girlfriend. And then you're, like, building a home together. It's really sweet. Um, and you can, like, feel the difference between um, unpacking into the boyfriend's house and making this, like, life with your, with your uh, gay married partner, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and... I kept thinking about, like, that in comparison to this, and I was like, you know, if you're going to have this kind of, like, and this isn't knocking this game, because it was, like, the first of its kind, so, like, it's really good, but if I were to, like, make something like Gone Home today, the thing I would want to lean more heavily into, which is what Unpacking did, is, like, art direction and, like, making it more stylized, because, like... The mansion's fine. I didn't particularly get a good sense of atmosphere from anything except for the attic hatch where there's like the red string the red lights, lights around yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so that's my little, uh, I think that's my little spiel on that. Um, yeah, yeah. And you got you got to have to, you know, this game had a budget of less than $200,000. Um, it was made by like five people um like you know it is you know india's can be um which is so funny because i feel like you could with today's technology this is just like this isn't a skill thing this is technological advancement Mm -hmm. i feel like with today's tech you could throw this together in like a kind of long game jam Mm -hmm, right you know yeah like this is this is the kind of thing that like you know we have so many more like storefronts and pre-built things that like you know i guess the voice acting and all the special art was you know yeah. That, that, that kind of stuff like you have to get but like it, it does seem like uh like something that you could kind of do very quickly now which is nice um i'm glad that we've kind of got to the point where 10 years later you know we could we can turn out gone homes like this um but yeah you know i i, I just want to you know looking through my notes there's a couple bits i wanted to talk about um because i think it's, it's really fun to see that like you know f- firstly like seeing the you know the letter from dad as like a reviewer for home theater aficionado magazine which is very funny um you know, you learn that the person who bequeathed the, owl, the house to them um, is Uncle Oscar, 
um and like he he was like close to his dad do, do you have a theory do you have any ideas about what the oscar relationship is do you no i've truly no idea okay i was like hardly paying attention to that part of anything right so you know there there's a lot of like there's some very boring theories that I found out there about Oscar that I don't want to talk about, but I think my personal one, my personal read is that Oscar is a queer man. Um, and that's why he was ostracized from his family. And like, if you go in, there's a part where you like go into like a secret side attic and you could see all of these, um, things on the wall that look like they're like fashion icons, right? They're like various different fashion things. There's also like something of a, like a, um, a sewing machine that's like in a secret compartment kind of i think that's not like necessarily secret right but like it suggests that the sewing machine can be concealed um but like you know all of that makes me think that oscar was some form of queer person and like that's why one you know he is ostracized from his family and like you know terry was the only person who was like really kind to him like he had clearly stayed you know with oscar until you know 1963 when when jfk was assassinated um but also um like Sam and Lonnie like are constantly trying to summon his ghost like at the very end there's like a full like pentagram like seance laid out and they're trying to talk to him but like I kind of like the idea that like he you know has some sort of connection to these uh, these people through through their shared you know um, identity I think that's very fun um but yeah like uh, I'm trying to think of a couple like moments that really really um hit for me there's um there's an assignment that sam does that um you know has to do with the menstrual cycle um did you did you find this mm-hmm. where basically you know it's like put these these steps of the menstrual cycle in order and sam does it but like she also like writes a whole story about like a, a spy in world war ii uh who has to um you know put put something together and like uh you know is, is like you know fighting the nazis basically and then is like this this egg will never be fertilized because her love is dead uh fighting the nazis and like shows that like you know not only is her um you know her, her creative side coming out but also she you know she wants to you know rebel against the structure and and it actually shows like how much of a foil katie is um, I think that there is a moment, right? The first thing I noticed about Katie as a character was when you go in and you can look at a, um, she has a medal or an award, right? She ran the, um, I think it's the four by 100 relay. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. And this is just like such a little thing, but it lists her as the last person in the relay. And the last person in a relay race and track is the anchor, which means they're the best. It means that they're the person who, like, okay, even if the other three people aren't doing it, the anchor is the person who will finish it and do the, you know, fi- get the job done, and you will win the race because they're the, the, they're the number one. Um, and like, you also find the same menstrual assignment that 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 Katie's done, right? Katie has the same assignment that Sam did, but Sam or Katie did it perfectly. You know, she got out, you know, a hundred percent a plus uh, as opposed to Sam who got to see me <laughs> after class. Right. And it like, it really does show that like Sam and Katie do have that kind of weird sibling relationship where like, you know, both of us are older siblings. Um, I, I guess, especially for, for me, I can't speak with your, your relationship, but like me and my, my little sister have a relationship where like, I am the golden child compared to her who has kind of been, you know, historically, you know, had a, had a difficult time, you know, when she was a teen with my parents. Right. And like, I do think that there is a little bit of that tension with Sam and Katie here where, you know, she, Katie is like, or Sam is like, you know, in one journal, she tells the, you know, her sister like hey you know i had a conversation with mom and dad one that you're never going to have to have you know where she comes out to them basically um and like i think that's just i think that the writing is very strong in this game and mm-hmm. especially the way it's in which they, they implement those items but you know we could we could talk through all the, the main points um but i just kind of wanted to there's another one last one there's a bit where you are going up to a bathtub and i fucking loved this <laughs> it's really funny right because like you're halfway through the game at this point you don't know what's what's happened you step into like a bathroom basically and you see this splatter of red and i was like oh fuck oh shit uh and then you get closer and you see it's like hair dye you say a ball of red hair dye on the ground and then it's like yeah i helped i helped lonnie dye her hair and i was like oh fuck off game all right okay <laughs> like clearly a very funny joke to try to make you have that reaction but um i thought it was good yeah, I, I really loved it. I also like that. So speaking of like the really strong writing, I like the 
Um, so Katie doesn't talk at all or, or much. I mean, you get to know her through two mechanisms. One is finding the postcards that she sent from her little Euro trip uh, scattered around the house. And she's just this, like, excitable, like... Fun. She's like, I'm in Europe. <laughs> I got to go through the channel. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's just having a great time in this fucking channel, you know? Um, and she's like, you know, her handwriting is very neat. And you can tell she's like, you know, again, the golden child and, and very responsible of like sending postcards from everywhere she goes. And the other thing is that uh, her interact commands are custom. So it's not it's not always just like pick up or flip or, or switch or, or examine. Uh, sometimes she finds... Sam has taste. She finds a porno mag of Jillian Anderson mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. in Sam's locker, and she just, the command is, "Sam, come on." <laughs> it's a, it's like, gosh, Sam. All right. <laughs> uh, there, there's another similar. There's like one journal entry that I I didn't find, but I heard about on on when I was looking through YouTube, and it's like. It's like Sam kind of like describing her being intimate with Lonnie, you know, having sex or whatever. And Katie's like, nope, I'm not reading that. <laughs> Puts it back and refuses to let the player read it more, which is very good. <laughs> yeah, I also, you know what? I also really enjoyed the way this game kind of played with time in the sense that Sam's journal is actually the last thing Katie finds. Uh, it's what closes out the game. You find the journal in the attic in the in the dark right. room. Right. So you're kind of, it's kind of a, almost like a flashback like right in the sense that you're playing through and you shouldn't actually have the context of the diary entries as you're playing through because it's the last thing you find uh but it's it's an interesting like it's almost soothing to find it right because you're just kind of exper- you're experiencing it in two separate states of time it's very cool uh i thought that was a neat touch um especially considering you're also experiencing like the oscar the story mm-hmm. um it's 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 not a way of playing with time I see a lot of video games use. Um, and, you know, I have made my stance on this podcast before. I am not a time travel fan. Right. Um, so so having something like this was actually really neat. I was like, oh, that's that's really like that's not that's not something I would have thought of. Right. That's a cool touch. Right. One hundred percent. So. <sighs> I want to talk about why this game is so important and, and like kind of try to get listeners to think about, you know, I don't know how many people listen to our podcast. I, I don't know how 30. many people. Oh, shit. Wow. That's way more than I thought. Um, yeah. Hey, thanks. welcome, guys. Thanks for slowly. over <laughs> Every year we get 10. <laughs> yeah, well, I appreciate it. Um, well, well, I don't know how many of, of all 30 of you um, were like plugged into the gaming scene in 2013, but I kind of want to like. Uh, so I don't know how much research you've done, Layla, but I've got some stats up. Um, Layla, what do you think the best-selling video game of 2013 was? Just off the dome. Off the dome? I don't know what came out in 2013. Was it a Call of Duty? Close. So number two is Call of Duty Ghosts, a game nice. that no one has ever thought about after 2013. Nope. <laughs> um, There's too I'll, many of them. I'll tell you, the the best-selling game of 2013 is probably still best-selling. Um, it might be one of the best-selling. It's actually, I know this because I looked this up. It's the sec- be- second best-selling like console game of all time next to Minecraft. So it's not Minecraft. S- Sims? No. no. Is it a shooter? I don't know It is shooters. a shooter. It's, it's, it is a third-person shooter. Okay. It's Grand Theft Auto V. Ah, uh, you should have said Rockstar. I would have gotten if you said Rockstar. I was, I was, I didn't want to give, that'll take, that'll give it away, though. Um, okay, fair enough, King. And, like, the fact that, like, right, Grand Theft Auto V, a game that, like, is still pumping out money for Rockstar 10 years later, like, a thing that, like, they just don't want to make more Grand Theft Autos because, you know, <laughs> right, like, eventually... You know, it is it is it is more profitable for Rockstar to just keep pumping up the multiplayer for five than to like make a new Grand Theft Auto. That might not be one hundred percent true, but you know, there's a reason there's a like ten year gap between this game and 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 six. But um, and like that that is the kind of e- ecosystem. The top five best selling games of twenty thirteen were Grand Theft Auto Five, Call of Duty Ghosts, FIFA twenty fourteen, Battlefield four, and Pokemon X and Y. Um, which like. You know, if you think about video games, right, those are video game ass video games. It's like, well, you got you got the Grand Theft Auto, 
which is the you know a murder simulator, right? It lets, gives you the ability to to murder people for fun, um, in in inventive ways, and that's not a knock. I played Grand Theft Auto in 2013. I I played it for a long, long time. Um, there's number there's Call of Duty Ghosts, right? Obviously part of the shooter genre, the, the long-standing shooter, you know, or most profitable shooter, you know, of the last ten years, right? There's a there's a soccer simulator. There's fucking Battlefield because who the fuck knows and Pokemon, right? Like. And when you think about the verbs of those games, the things that they're asking you to do, it's like, you know, shoot, drive, score, war crimes, <laughs> capture Pokemon, right? Like, Gone Home is so fundamentally different from all of those in the ways in which it wants you to interact with the world that, like, I, it really was, like, an, a novel thing. Yeah, uh, for sure. I And again, like, it's just one of those things where it's, I... <sighs> I don't know what kind of person I would have been if I, like, had found this at the time, you know? Like, because now, again, you play so many walking simulators, there's such like, I mean, there, there's a title for it now, right? A name for the genre of walking right. simulator. Right. You have things like Edith Finch. You have things like Journey and Abzu and um, Kentucky Roots. Like, there's so many now. And so playing this, it's like a fun look back into the past and like what kicked all this off but you know i i it's it's like learning uh it's like learning a snapple fact right 100 percent. right it's like oh huh that's that's kind of nice that's um, neat and Which like is not to not to discount the impact of this no. it's just like the experience of playing it 10 years after intended right like right. it's another artifact of its time right um, and I and I think to also help put in context, like why it was important for a game to like you know get a lot of like accolades, right? Like this was because it, you know one of the very first you know games that got big that had you know a queer storyline in it, um, you know, and like you to to put that in context, right? The big story. Well, that's game, incorrect. That's Metal Gear Solid. Okay, we'll listen. <laughs> <laughs> Love can bloom on the battlefield, but um, <laughs> this one was very more explicit about its uh, uh, homosexual um, stories, but. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say, like, right, so the big quote-unquote story art game of 2013 was actually probably The Last of Us, right? Um, And, like, if you think about the ways in which The Last of Us franchise has gone fully into, you know, being like, oh, yeah, this is a story about queer people now. It's, and like, when that was certainly not the case in in 2013, um, right, when we get, you know, Last of Us 2 is about, you know, two two queer girls getting together. Um, and, and even in the, the Last of Us TV show, right, there's a, the famous, you know, episode, at least when, when it was airing, everybody's like, oh, this is a story about two gay men. Um, you know, I haven't seen it. I'm sure it's good. Um, but Nick like Offerman is in it. Right, right, exactly. And it's just like, I can't believe that, like, you know, this, this story, like, must have been so important for people 10 years ago and like it's kind of nice that now it's just kind of like this is boring um because i think like that's kind of the mark of like when you have a genre has made it like obviously there are still chuds and homophobes out there who are like you know i don't want any of these politics or gay people in my video games um but um there's um you know it's just kind of nice to be like yes finally we get so many of these stories that they're they're passe Mm-hmm. Layla, you have just put on a pair of sunglasses <laughs> that makes you look like a, the leader of the Squirtle Squad. Uh, <laughs> is that relevant to the story at all? Um, no, I just... Do you ever, you ever let the intrusive thoughts win? Oh, no. <laughs> what? And I just I had an impulse to put them on. I don't okay. know how to tell you this anyway but i do think it sets the mood for what i'm about to say sure (laughs) which is interesting Uh, i i just want to like take a second i don't think we've ever talked about the stupid argument of like people being like a little politics in my video games here's the problem all art is political games are art and they are art primarily because they are made by people if a work is made by a human being it has it therefore carries the worldview of that human being, maybe not intentionally, maybe not, uh, you know, like explicitly, but at the very least, it says, hey, here's what I find fun. Here's what I find compelling. Uh, and then you as an audience member get to react to that. The other thing is that everyone has biases. And unfortunately, when you are an oppressed person or a a person in the minority of some group, 
uh, even if your day-to-day is fine, uh, your existence becomes political, whether you like it or not, because other people have made it so. I don't want to be politics. I don't like it. I'm just a little guy. I was born and put on this earth to eat berries and vibe, and no one will fucking let me do that. Um, Because someone else decided that the way I am or the way I live is incorrect based on arbitrary fucking guidelines I did not have a say in. Um, So all art is politics. And if I hear somebody being like, well, I don't want this political woke horseshit. Your your games have always had politics. It's just politics you agree with, so you never noticed it. Right. If you think Grand Theft Auto Five doesn't have politics, you're out of your fucking mind. That you're game is extraordinarily board, extraordinarily political. Your board uh, <laughs> has been left fucking behind. If you don't think or MGS that I brought up earlier, mm-hmm. Hideo Kojima is the most political game designer like that is well known on the planet. Just because it's <laughs> Japanese politics and you're not fucking picking up on it, don't me. I really do look like a member of the Squirtle Squad. Yeah, you really do. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a picture and post it on Twitter later. It's really anyway, good. Uh, they're great glasses. Um, but anyway, so um. It's, yeah, it's, this is, get, get, that's, listen, I don't think anyone who listens to this podcast has that opinion. No. Because we are who we are. But if anyone else around you tells you that horse shit, I have just given you ammo. Go forth, fight the good fight. Right, right. And, And I kind of, this kind of segues into something that happened this week and like kind of really colored this whole conversation because like. If this, if we had had this episode, you know, last Sunday, I think I would have been like, yeah, it's fine, and I'm glad that there was a history behind it. But now, um, because unfortunately, my uh, a very important video game journalism website, uh, Waypoint, uh, which is Vice.com's, um, you know, video games uh, vertical, is, is going to be shuttered in June. Um, it really started to make me think about the ways in which games are covered and the ways in which like. You know, right? Polygon, you know, Kotaku, right? These these are websites that like started doing the coverage of Gone Home and like said like, hey, this is a weird game that you all should play, and like, you know, start started picking that up and like, you know, the fucking. Right, I, I read one of the the most important reporters at Waypoint Radio was Patrick Klepek, and he wrote the review of this game for Giant Bomb when he worked there in 2013, and, like, had this, like, very touching and nuanced take that, like, you you probably weren't gonna get back back in the day, right? Um, from, from more mainstream outlets. Although, I guess, I don't know, I don't want to malign mainstream outlets. I'm sure they all covered it fairly. But, like, it just makes me sad for the ways in which games media has been just utterly like gutted over the past couple of years because media corporations like continue to try to chase their profits and like i just uh thinking about gone home and the ways in which like people are truly trying to tell stories that are not just about shooting people and feeling cool and and power fantasies right Uh, a lot of those those games become successful and and, like reach their audience because of reporters and the work that the various journalism sites do um and like I, you know, I think Waypoint Radio did some of the best reporting on games and analysis over the past, you know, six years, and um, you know, it made me the kind of person that I am today. Uh, so if you, you know, if you take anything out of this, you know, maybe maybe go to waypoint.vice.com, check out some of their articles before they're gone, um, and, and think about the ways in which media. You know, shapes the the current landscape um, and, and and influences the games that are that are to come because, you know, so much of the my taste is shaped by podcasts and websites that that recommended games to me, and um, you know, I'm just kind of I'm very worried for the future in which you know we don't have voices that are are not like either very much corporately owned or you know influencer driven and i think we are we are all at a loss because of of the ways in which media is being consolidated um that's all i wanted to say uh layla do you want to do you have anything before we want to move on to our marketing minute uh no i just you know i'm glad you got to speak on uh the departure of waypoint um yeah it's uh, if we have any billionaire listeners um, I, listen, I am currently accepting marriage proposals. 
I think it's time to bring back fucking uh, patroning the arts. That's right. Uh, so if you want to be like the next Medici family with me, um, where you just like marry me and I cook and I clean and I can tell you how I'll get that ring. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'll just like make it rain to a bunch of outlets and guess what? I probably won't track their profits. Um, <laughs> as long as they're not like embezzling, I think it's okay if the, the line doesn't always go up. Economies aren't meant to grow in perpetuity. So if you would like to subsidize a small sector of the video game media market, uh, and get a wife out of it, 716 <laughs> I'll break that in the edit. <laughs> Thank you. Please don't put your actual phone number on here. Um... <laughs> <sighs> All right, Layla. So now, you know, fast forward 10 years, you and your billionaire husband are subsidizing not only new video game outlets, but new video game companies, video game designers. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and we have the option to make the next artsy innovation in games. You know, this Excellent. is going to be Walking Simulators 2.0. Mm -hmm. What what do you think is going to be the next weird artsy leap in games that, that kind of gets people to be like, oh, yeah, this is th making me think about video games in a new way? We actually start isekaiing bitches. Ah, yes. The the end all of virtual reality. <laughs> yeah, I think it's time. And listen, it doesn't have to be like... It doesn't have to be anything like future tech, right? I think we can manage uh, a bespoke experience where we basically have people put on a VR headset and then we consensually and with a signed waiver chloroform them. And then take them to, like, a LARP island. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I see. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Just do a Marie Antoinette peasant village, but for <laughs> video games. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm i thinking about verbs. I'm thinking about the ways in which we... What, what are games asking us to do lately? And, like, I don't know. I really... I, I guess I, I would like to... I don't know, maybe it's it's some advancement in edugainment, right? Where it's like, you know, you you are learning, you are truly actually learning a skill through video games in a way that, like, actually teaches you something and enriches your life beyond, you know, just just, just listening to a story get told to you. You know, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe it it's is... like a Michelin cooking mama. Yeah, I mean, kind of, right? But, like, that seems a little a little easy. Maybe it is the... I'm thinking about that video essay because they, they talked about how... Uh, Roger Ebert once said that, you know, movies were machines for generating empathy. And like, I'm wondering how we can make, you know, video games also fit that. Because I absolutely do think that there are some video games that, that fill in, fall into that same uh, empathy generating mode. Um, I wonder if it is just like an Assassin's Creed animus just like puts you puts you behind the eyes of somebody and, and has you live out their life. I mean, that's just that is just kind of what walking simulators are, though. So, if you're talking about verbs, uh, I think, you know who we could hook up with in this partnership? David Attenborough. Hmm. I think, listen, what, what verbs haven't been explored? Why verbs that humans can't do? For example, scuttle. We could do like a nature documentary when yeah. you're a crab now. Okay, you I'm can here learn for how, this. You can learn how crab lives. Mm -hmm. And then you get killed by whatever predator crabs get killed by and then the second playthrough you're the predator you right start to learn about the circle of life mm-hmm march of the penguins vr i see okay mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then this is how we get the backing of like greenpeace right because we make it into a thing <laughs> about climate change and this yeah. is how we the revolution wins is through yes. is through video games we get the yes. gamers on our side we take down the energy companies we we, we move it to a new green future this is it yes. we've done it this is it i've done it i've solved climate change again by the way again I've solved climate change before <laughs> Probably multiple times on this podcast. Yeah, um, on this podcast, and also now that I think about it, in a work improv exercise one time. <laughs> Amen. Excellent. Great. Well, Layla, when we are not solving all of the world's problems on this podcast, uh, where can we be found on the internet? You can find me at L-E-Y-L-S-E-S. Um... Okay, so like, listen, I'm trying to draw. I'm trying to work on my webcomic. I'm a very busy lady. I'm. It's listen. It's happening slowly. You can follow my journey of restoring and refinishing a balalaika for the next couple of weeks. 
Um, which, if you don't know what that is, that is a Russian triangle guitar. Uh, I did purchase one in a fit of pique, and I will be restoring and repainting and refinishing it um, on my vacation in a couple weeks. So, tune into my Twitter for that. Excellent. Very good. Cannot wait for that. Um... You can find me on Twitter at AaronSXL, where I tweet about tabletop RPGs, health policy, and writing. My main website is aavoit.com. I uh, just posted a new video on my YouTube channel. That's aavoit on YouTube, where I am. Um, it was about uh, Capitalites by Sam Wee and uh, how I think that that is an interesting evolution into um, into like the, the Commedia dell'arte and the ways in which we use archetypes to express characters and tell stories, but also how we tell ourselves a story about ourselves. So check that out if that sounds interesting to you. You should po- check it out because like 500 people follow him already. And every time I go snoop on the comments, everyone is exceedingly kind uh, because Aaron is good at reviews. And then what you should also do is you should leave a comment and you should say that you came over from Mortified so that you know you have synergy in the fucking media universe that we're building over here if you if you leave a comment that says that you are a mortified listener on my youtube channel i will personally respond to you like that's 100 <laughs> i like some of those i get a bunch of sometimes i get weird comments that are just like oh video i thought you don't i thought i <laughs> i got one person who was like oh I, I wish that you didn't review tabletop games and i was like but this is the whole channel <laughs> <laughs> but like yes if you say that you're a mortified listener i will respond to you thank you thank you so much um i do another podcast with our friends michael and josh that's at the bible boys this week we're gonna talk about how there's a guy on twitter who believes that the saudi arabians are keeping the nephilim uh <laughs> in, a, in a chamber and they're going to use them to destroy the earth <laughs> uh and i watched several videos about that um <laughs> this weekend because my life is a disaster um i'm sure your youtube algorithm is fine it's really bad now um but the good news is that um basically all conspiracy theorists are just ripping off uh ava is what i've learned there it's it's a little bit embarrassing anyway Um, anyway i would like to issue an apology we did not have an episode last week because i thought i lost my keys at the mall and looked for them for three and a half hours they were in my car uh that's on me sorry folks uh Listen, it happens uh i'm just glad that you did have your keys after all i did they they fell they fell between my seat and my console uh next week we will be doing lord of the rings the two towers oh shit uh, that's the next movie that'll be uh, cool and then hopefully if we have enough brain cells which we should because i'm going on vacation we'll do zacharying after that and Sounds the only reason good. i mentioned that is because we have been asked for it it is on the list it has been on the list we just keep pushing it off because we're 30 and sleepy sorry um, we're so sorry to that one person we we will get to it i assure you yes yeah, so um, Hopefully. Our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko. For the album Filmmakers Reference Kit Volume 2, you can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Layla, do you have a closer in mind? I... I... Okay, if you don't have a closer, I just want to... I'll use... Uh, in memoriam of Waypoint Radio, uh, I just want to wish all of our listeners uh, a good night. Um, fuck capitalism. Go home. Go home.